Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all, and welcome in to another episode of Inside Black and Gold. It's a live edition. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. If you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube by now, what are you waiting for? Ring the bell. It's a good time. I'm coming on here after the latest round of Saints OTAs, the final of three rounds of Saints OTAs. We're out there for Tuesday practices. They also practice on Wednesday and Thursday. We are not out there. So I'm going to come on here and kind of relay everything that happened. Steve Geller is is eagerly preparing for sports talk, so he's unable to make the time work. But I'm going to get through it here. We're going to keep this concise because I do have to get out of here at a reasonable time. So this will not be one of those marathon mailbag sessions but if you do have mailbag questions make sure to get them in the comments wherever you're watching we'll get through as many as we can in the final segment for the first segment here i'm just going to go through kind of observations takeaways that sort of thing who was there who wasn't there who stood out who made big plays that sort of thing the second segment we're going to get all all deep into michael thomas's business uh we're going to hear from mike we're going to hear from dennis allen about mike we're going to hear from Derek carr about mike all that good stuff and then as mentioned mailbag in the final segment so we'll go through all those comments then let's just get into it so the first thing i'm going to do here is i'm going to go through the attendance who was not there so 12 players were not in attendance today let's go through the list cornerback ugo amadi number zero tight end Taysom hill wide receiver rashid shaheed cornerback marshawn Lattimore, cornerback paulson adibo running back alvin Kamara, guard caesar ruiz left tackle Trevor Penning, right tackle, Ryan Ramchick, guard, tackle, whatever you want to call him, James Hurst, guard, Andres Pete, and defensive tackle, Colin Saunders. As I always say, attendance at these events is not mandatory. It's organized team activities. Mandatory minicamp starts next week. So if we get to next week and any of these players are not available or on the field, I should say, then we'll start asking questions. For now, it is just kind of a, okay, they didn't make it. A guy who did make it, and we're going to talk a lot about it, Michael Thomas. And so I'll just kind of set the scene here. Michael Thomas loves making an entrance at these events. 
at, at these practices. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't just go out there and stretch with the team. But if you kind of remember back to last year, we got to training camp and no one really knew whether Mike Thomas was going to be cleared for day one of, of training camp. It was kind of uh, a mystery heading into the final week of uh, everything. We talked to Dennis Allen. He said, sooner rather than later well the next morning he was out there and he kind of hid behind somebody and then ran out for the first set of the walkthrough and everyone was like well look at that mike thomas is out there so fast forward to today no one knows whether he's going to be there or not then you get through stretches they're going through the individual drills the wide receivers break off to catch passes from the quarterback and when you know it who comes sauntering across the field it's mike thomas <laughs> I don't know why he's on his own schedule, but either way, he was there, and it's very good to see him out there. I know a lot of people were aggrieved that he was not out there. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to play some clips, and there's going to be some clips of Mike Thomas in there. If you want to check him out, go go to WWL Sports on YouTube, and you, you can see all those. But yeah, and so one thing to say about Mike Thomas is it is a little difficult to describe exactly what his role was at practice today because he did not participate in practice. He was kind of in the same zone as Nick Saldaveri, who was out there today, not participating, but watching practice for the first time, which is good to see. He's dealing with a calf injury. Trevor Penning and Cesar Ruiz were out there kind of doing the same thing he was today. For the first two practices, they weren't out there today. Kendra Miller, Eno Benjamin, Miller Forrestal are also at practice, not participating. But with Mike, you can tell it kind of just grates against every bit of his DNA to be standing there watching people work and not working himself. And, you know, we talked about this, like Mike is that crazy kind of maniacal worker. And that's not an exaggeration. He really is that. It's the reason he, I don't want to say was, but I will say was, it's the reason he was the player that caught 149 passes in 2019. It's the reason he got to that point because he worked harder than everybody else. I don't think that's changed, despite the injuries. He's still working as hard as anyone. He's just not able to get on the field, and that's the frustrating part. And if you're frustrated by that, you can imagine how frustrated Mike Thomas is, and you might say, well, he made a ton of money. I don't think that like the contract for him has anything to do with it. He just wants to prove people wrong. That's his whole life endeavor, is to prove people wrong, prove the doubters wrong. That is what drives him, and that's what drives most great athletes. right? Michael Jordan used to make up slights against him to be better in games, like to give him an edge. And I think Mike Thomas is a very similar uh, type player. Um, but, you know, you could see him out there. He was kind of ghost running routes. He broke off with the three quarterbacks later in the day. And so he kind of got into that. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get into the second segment, when we talk about Mike Thomas. But what I do want to talk about right now is I think Derek Carr, you watch him out there. And I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast might go out and watch training camp. It's very impressive to watch how Derek Carr runs this offense. It's very impressive to hear him run the offense and to hear him direct things. And I know there have been people who said, okay, it sounds a lot like Drew Brees out there. And they're not wrong. It is very similar. He commands the offense in ways that you, you, you are impressed with, right? Like you can tell he knows what he's doing. You can tell he has a plan. <laughs> the only thing I'll, I'll say is I don't think anyone told him that Keith Kirkwood is not one of his top options because he throws to Keith Kirkwood a lot. I don't know why. He's, he hasn't made a catch, but he keeps throwing to Keith Kirkwood. But Derek Carr, I thought, had a really good day. He went three for six in the red zone drills, and there was very high-energy red zone drills. When you go inside and you work, the defense will actually line up across the back of the end zone. And so 
when you know a play gets made or or there's a <laughs> there's a catch close to the close to the end line or the out of bounds line <laughs> it's always incomplete if you ask the defense and it was very high energy everyone was getting into it Derek Carr went three for six with a pair of touchdowns in those seven on seven drills he came back and, and made a couple nice throws to Chris Olave who that connection really looks like it's it's thriving and which is a good thing because you know Mike Thomas was out there you're still going to have to go into this offseason unsure of what exactly you can get out of Mike Thomas. And so you need to see that. I thought Jamal Williams had a solid day. He caught a couple nice passes in team drills. But the rookie who is standing out to me the most is Jordan Howden. I don't know what his upper ceiling is on this roster for his rookie season. I think he is probably a special teams contributor. But he's got an NFL-ready body. You can see it. He can tackle. Even in these drills, you can kind of see the strength. And he just has good instincts out there. He made a nice pass breakup on a on a Jake Hanner pass to Lucas Kroll. Uh, you just like to see him out there. 31's a really cool number. <laughs> I just I think he's going to be a guy that contributes on this roster down the road. I don't know how long it's going to be, but you see him move around. You can you can tell that he's going to be a piece on this roster. The guy who I've been critical of and I kind of have to continue to be critical of is A.T. Perry. And I would love to come on here and tell you that this guy is a, is a beast. He keeps going up and making these plays and he, he just hasn't done it. He hasn't done it. And he's had opportunities to do it. There's a lot of time left. You're not getting cut from the roster after OTAs, but I mean, he's got to look at what he has done so far and say, okay, like, why am I in the NFL? What has got me to the NFL? <laughs> it's being a 6'3", long receiver who can go up and make contested catches. I have counted at least eight opportunities to make those types of catches. He had one dime from Jake Hayner today, and it was a good enough throw that if I'm Jake Hayner, I'm annoyed because that should be a highlight for me to look back on it <laughs> at the tape and be like, wow, okay, this connection is growing. And it just bounced off his hands, and you can't, be A.T. Perry in the NFL if you're not going to catch that ball. Like, that's why he's here. So, that, you know, I, I think that he's obviously got the ability to go do it. He's got to go do it. Um, but if I was redoing my roster projection today, which I am not, I'm going to wait until after minicamp next week to do that, I would be replacing Jordan Howden, who I initially had on the cut list, with A.T. Perry. Um, and you are getting a little closer to that line, you have to deal with someone like Jesse James. Is he going to make the roster? You've signed a few players. Blake Groupie, I thought, looked pretty good today. He was out there kicking. He made all five of his kicks. He nailed one from 58 yards, which is impressive when you consider he only weighs about 158 pounds. He's a little tiny guy, but he's got a leg. Um, and so, you know, I think it is interesting to watch. Brian Brzee got some first-team reps today. I think that was in part due to Colin Saunders not being there. Um, I think that Brian Brzee is still going to be a rotational guy, but it's good to see him kind of working in already. Um, I got asked last show <laughs> about the first team offensive line during these drills. And I had, didn't actually watch it last week, so I didn't have an answer, but I did make sure to note it today because it's just kind of a ridiculous spattering of, of names. So you have from right to left, I'm sorry, from left to right, Storm Norton, Calvin Throckmorton, Eric McCoy, Lewis Kidd, 
and Landon Young. If you had to start that offensive line in a game, <laughs> you would probably want to bench Derek Carr for his own safety. Um, that's not, you know, the, the, no shade at any of those players. They are not NFL starters outside of Eric McCoy, who, you know, Eric McCoy got rave reviews from Derek Carr today. And I think any quarterback who works with Eric McCoy will gladly uh, speak his praises just because of the effort he plays with. He doesn't have to be out here. He is out at all these practices. I kind of treat him like the Cam Jordan of the offensive line. He kind of feels like that where he's just always moving. He's always in great shape. He's constantly involved. And, and so that is cool to see. <laughs> the last note I have on an offensive player is a guy who I'm sure when I say his name will draw groans from anyone listening, but it's Traquan Smith. He had a great day today. He looked very good. He had energy. He caught three touchdowns in team drills. Two of them came from Jake Hayner on a couple really nice routes late in the day. <laughs> he had some really good celebrations <laughs> every time. I think one of them he spiked. One of them he dunked it over the goalpost. Another one he just punted away. Like He seems like someone who's having a lot of fun out there. And, you know, I don't know if that was always the case. Yeah, I've watched Traquan in the past and he's looked very disinterested. You know, just not a high energy guy on the field. And I don't think that's benefited him. What Dennis Allen said is that he's been dealing with injuries a lot over the last few years. He's healthy right now. I don't know how long that'll last. And that's always been the bane of Traquan Smith's existence. But, you know, he looks sharp. He looks like a player that's going to make the roster. And that's kind of why I'm bringing this up is I guarantee you we're going to get into roster projection season and everyone's going to say, oh, Traquan Smith, he's a cut. I don't think he's a cut. I think Traquan Smith is going to make this roster again. And it's going to be for a lot of the reasons we talk about for the blocking, for all of this. But at the end of the day, if you can get a contribution from Traquan Smith in the offense, then it makes it a lot easier to keep him on the roster because you want to keep him on the roster because he's one of those does the dirty work type guys. That's it. I mean, like, I think that Traquan Smith is going to make this roster. <laughs> um, and if he plays like he did today, he will not only make this roster, he will be a contributor on this roster. But all right, again, we're going to go through this. We're going to talk about Mike Thomas in the next segment. We're going to hear a lot of sound from Mike himself, Dennis Allen, Derek Carr. Then we're going to get into a mailbag in the final segment. So we're going to get into that. We're going to hit a break here. We're going to come back, and I'll give you some of that sound. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. We're doing a live chat after the final open practice of Saints OTAs. We saw Mike Thomas on the field. Was a lot of high energy work, red zone drills, a lot of touchdowns thrown. Chris Olave and Derek Carr, that connection looks sharp. Rashid Shahid was not there today. I know he's a guy everyone loves to hear about. He was absent, not a huge deal, but that is a topic we will not be able to get into until next week. But again, I'm Jeff Nowak. You can catch me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. We also have a Twitter account now for the podcast. I'm going to be posting a lot of content from a lot of the video work. Uh, it's at IBNG pod. There's the letters IBNG pod. Go find it on Twitter. Give it a follow. We're still growing it. Obviously, I think it only has like four followers right now. I made it yesterday, but we're going to keep kind of throwing content on there. So if you do want to engage with the podcast, go check that out. Give it a follow. But I'll be right back. We're going to get into a lot about Michael Thomas. Stick around. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. Coming at you solo today after the final open practice of Saints OTAs. We will have mandatory minicamp this time next week. That is three practices. They are all open to the media. So it's going to be a treasure trove of content coming at you from those. And then we will have a month break before a month, give or take, month and a half almost, before the full training camp, which typically starts the final weekend of July. July 28th would be my guess somewhere around there. And at that point, we'll also be hearing about Alvin Kamara's court date. Marcus May also has a court date around that time for the DUI that never ends, right? Uh, I guess it's still going through the courts, which is crazy to me because it happened in 2020, but there's also a jury trial, which is strange, I think, for a DUI. But either way, we'll we'll get into that when we have to. For now, I want to talk more about Michael Thomas. And before we get into anything, let's just hear from Mike himself. I trimmed down his interview from today. I'm just going to play the whole thing for you. Here's what he had to say when we got to talk to him after today's practice. We're going for training camp. We're going to be ready for training camp first day one out there with the team, ready to go full speed, just like the old days and what everyone's used to. When I guess the first time we were seeing you after, what was it like just Oh, it's a blessing. Um, anytime I get to put on the Saints uniform and contribute it and put, you know, put on the, the 13, the black and gold, just to come out here and uh, be around the guys, the camaraderie, that's what I miss the most. Um, you know, just talking ball. Um, a lot of guys from my school here. It's just, for me, it's the older version of just going to school, I guess, really, like first day of school. That's kind of what it felt like, just being around the guys, the camaraderie talking football with Derek, um, getting on the same page, uh, talking to the coaches, just game planning, just basically building that camaraderie to be able to build something special and chase something special and win a lot of games. What's that like getting to, getting to know Derek and just talking football with him? Oh, he's been amazing. I can't wait to play with him and uh, just be out there and, 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 and execute and create, create something special with him, uh, a connection, you know, just like the way he demands the huddle. Um, the sense of urgency, just the way he handles himself. It's just, he's a pro. Uh, he's great for these young guys to see. Uh, his demeanor, just everything, just watching him from when he gets in the building, kind of like how Drew was. You know, you could watch Drew from when he's watching film, you can learn from him. When he's in the locker room, you can learn from him. Anywhere in the building, you can just learn something different from them that makes them how they are. And I respect him a lot. And uh, I'm always watching him and just talking football with him. He loves football. Man, he wants to win just like I want to win. He's just very disciplined. He's on top of his stuff. He came here for a reason, like he says, even though he says it in the media. That's the same same type of like confidence I hear in his voice. He came here for a reason to win. You can hear that. You can feel the sense of urgency. Um, he loves ball. It's not hard working with him, and it's not hard like you know showing up and and and, and just doing what he asks you to do. It's pretty much going to be a good thing on the other end if we execute. He tells me what to do. I tell him where I'm going to be. 
and we're on the same page, we can execute at a high level against anyone. Pretty easy decision for you to come back here. I know you guys have done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I, I love football. Um, this is what I like to do. I enjoy football. This is where I spend my off-season training to become a better football player. All my lifestyles, from nutrition to off-the-field stuff to on-the-field stuff, is all about just football and just like becoming a better player. So coming and showing up to do football activities is not never been a hard thing for me. I'm at re-signing with the Saints, so in general, when you, you, you're kind of contracting. Oh, you know, I mean, that was kind of like, I mean, to me, in my world, I feel like that's just like really like, you know, fluff and, you know, just getting contracts done. But I feel like the, t the organization knows my knows my value. I feel like we're on the same page. We have a very good relationship, no matter how the narrative may be. Um, I feel like we, we've always had between me and anyone in the front office, we've always had great communication. And I, I, it was like, I don't feel like I ever like left or had to sign a contract. It was just the fact that maybe I was injured and it was just off season talk. But besides that, I knew I was always gonna be playing here. I knew I would be the receiver. I knew our priorities for off season was to get a quarterback and put some pieces around us. So I was always involved. So the, uh, the other stuff I can't really control yet. But yeah, so that's Mike Thomas. That was him after practice today. I will say that he talked to us because he wanted to talk to us, I think, because we were not – when you're injured, you do not have to talk to the media. Like no one was expecting him to go up there and talk for five, ten minutes, but he did. And, you know, I think there is a level of maturity with Mike Thomas that has grown the last few years, I think partially because – of the challenges he's faced to get on the field, right? Like it's really difficult to be this arrogant, you know, star player when you have been on the field for 10 games in three seasons. Um, but I did appreciate the energy that he brought to the field. Like you watch him out there and, and I can play some of these clips again, but he's very clearly just dying to get on the field with his teammates. And he's just, unable to do it. And, and that's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for everybody, but you can tell that he's there to work with Derek Carr. You can tell he's there to learn from Derek Carr. One of the things that Derek talked about is, you know, there, everyone knows how to play football in this group. You know, you're not, you're not splitting the atom, but there are really kind of fine details that quarterback and receiver have to be on the same page about Every quarterback throws the ball a little differently. Every quarterback delivers the ball a little differently. And so that's kind of what they were figuring out. Because you don't typically see the three quarterbacks break off to a side field for 10 minutes and just work with one receiver who is not actually involved in the team drills. That's what happened today. And I think there is a, an investment in getting that done. And so, yeah, it was cool to see him show up because he didn't have to be there. And we talked about this last week. I don't think it's an issue that he didn't show up for the first two. I don't think it would have been an issue if he didn't show up today. You have next week, you have three practices, you have an whole entire training camp to get on the same page. But I think it does show an investment that is good to see. I think that overreacting to people not being there is still silly. I think overreacting to a guy like Marshawn not being there would be silly. Same with Alvin Kamara, same with Ryan Ramchek. But I think it does show a level of investment from Mike Thomas that people have questioned repeatedly over the last four or five years, whether he wants to be here, whether he wants to be traded. I don't, I mean, 
based on what I have seen and based on what I have heard, I don't, I don't know if that's ever been a conversation beyond, okay, well, you're not able to get on the field and we are paying you a lot of money. So we got to figure something out so that it's more equitable for everyone involved. That's what happened. That's the deal you're on. And hopefully you can get through the season and see a Mike Thomas that's that, that earns a new contract, right? Because we haven't seen that since 2019. Last year, I think week one, he proved that he can still do it at an NFL level. But week three proved that his feet are still letting him down. So until we see him get through three, four, five, six, seven, eight, dare I say nine games in a row without having to leave with an injury, you're always going to have it in the back of your mind. Is he just, you know, a, a glass doll? Can he get through the season, especially with from his legs at a high level? And I don't know. Um, here's what Dennis Allen had to say. You know, one thing that Mike said was, okay, I'm aiming for training camp and I am planning to be a full go at training camp. Dennis Allen was asked, you know, what the plans for for him next week, that sort of thing. Here's what he had to say. I think it probably still remains to be seen. Um, if he does anything, I wouldn't expect it to be a lot. Um, our focus is getting him ready for training camp. And uh, if that's where myself, him, really our, our whole organization. That's really what our focus is, getting him ready to go for training camp. So I, I like where he's at. Do you, you feel like in camp that he'll be able to, to do everything that he needs to do? That's our hope and our expectation. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish I had the crystal ball to say exactly what he'll be ready to do, but I think all our energy is focused on uh, you know, getting him ready to go in training camp, and, and uh, we're excited about it. Mike's an important you know, piece to our offense, and uh, when he's playing at the level that he's capable of playing at, uh, we're a much better offense. How much significance do you place on when a guy of his stature shows up and does whatever he can do in a voluntary situation like this? Is it? Yeah, look, uh, Mike's always been a, a, a great team guy, um, and uh, we kind of had this plan kind of mapped out where he's going to focus on his rehab. Um, He's got a lot of people that, that uh, he works with to help him uh, get himself right and, uh, and and get him hopefully ready to go in, in training camp. So uh, it's great to have him back out here. Following up on that, what can you do for the team just to see a guy like that roll out to practice when he doesn't have well, to be Well, look, I think, I think everybody feels uh, that energy when, when he's here. Um, and so uh, I, I think it's important for him to be here, and he wants to be here. And, um, you know, he's excited about what we can potentially do this season. So what Dennis said there, we're going to have minicamp next week. Expect to see basically what you saw today from Mike Thomas. He's not going to – nothing is going to change in a week that's going to allow him to suddenly be a full participant in these drills. But from what Mike said, from what DA said, the plan is to be full speed ahead on day one of training camp. That's always been the plan. Nothing has changed. But it is good to see Mike out there moving around. I would guess against the advisement of trainers to an extent, because if you look at all the other guys who are out there not working, who aren't wearing the padded helmets, who are just kind of watching and kind of working with coaches, they're not running around, right? Kendra Miller, I have not seen him <laughs> break into a jog since we've been out there for OTAs. Mike is already doing that. And I have a feeling it's because he's doing it of his own volition. 
he might not be cleared to do some of that work, but he's going to do it because that's just what he does. I think Jarvis Landry last year talked about how during training camp, there were points that Mike was not cleared to get in a drill and he would just line up and do the drill anyway. Um, that's just kind of his DNA. But I do think this idea that there is friction between the team and Mike beyond any normal, like just off season frustration or maybe some frustration with the training staff is overblown. I, I don't think it's ever existed. It's always just been a question of how can we make this work? And Mike understands that the team understands that. And you're going to go forward just hoping that you can get something representative of the 2019 Michael Thomas, right? What percentage of that can you get and how can that help your offense? That's where we're going to go from here. We did talk to Derek Carr. He said, you know, everyone's just excited to have Mike in the building. One thing he talked about was, you know, how Mike runs routes. And I do think that's what makes it a little difficult for him when you're coming back from lower body injuries. Uh, and this is what Derek Carr had to say. Yeah, he's a violent route runner. Um, you know, there's a few guys that are like that. I won't start naming them because people get offended, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, there's very few guys that run such violent routes and catch the ball and get back downhill. Like, a lot of guys like to catch that ball and dance around. Like he gets north and south, you know. Like, he turns what should be second and five into second and two. You know, and, and that right there changes a football game, you know. It, and, you know, to the naked eye, it's just another slant or it's just another this route or it's just another over, but it's not. You know, he catches it. It's just another stick route. But what he's doing after the catch, what he's doing – you know, when when he's rolling, you what he dictates. You know, coverages. You know, you have to account for him. You know, because he's so talented, he's so aggressive at the catch point. You know, when even if he is covered, you can still throw it out there, and he he can body him up in his hand. He extends his hands, strong hands. Um, he's a bigger receiver, so you can trust him with those kind of throws as well. The back shoulder throws. He's he can win over the top and catch those. You know, late hands, and you know those are the things that as I was watching the film, like very attractive you know to me especially when you get all the pieces going um you know and you add them all and they're all healthy and they're all there you know it's what it could be sounds fun you know um it's not we're not there yet but it you know sure sounds exciting you know when you think about it and yeah so what he's talking about there is mike is a very violent route runner and and if and it is very true go watch mike thomas play go watch him in training camp go watch him in practice go watch him wherever he runs like he's angry at the ground Right. Like and that's and that's why you have these sharp cuts and you're able to create separation, even though he doesn't have that top end speed. He's able to just separate using violence with his hands and with his feet. Like, seriously, go watch clips of Michael Thomas. Do not watch his hands. Don't watch his upper body. Watch his feet. Watch how quickly he can plant and change direction. And that's how he gets open. And that's how he creates just that sliver of separation. And then he has the, the, the strongest hands in the world to go catch the ball. And it will not come out of there because they're vice script, right? That's the type of skill set that I think makes it difficult when you're coming back from a foot injury or coming back from an ankle injury because he's not going to change that part of his game. He just needs to make sure he can do it. And so that's what you're looking for day one of training camp, day 10 of training camp, week four of training camp, week one of the regular season. Is he going to be able to play with that level of violence without his legs, without his body letting him down? That's the question. But one way or another, whatever the answer to that question is, it's a really good sign to see him out there. It is really encouraging. He wants to be there. Derek Carr wants him to be there. The Saints want him to be there. Saints fans want him to be there. And he's there. Works for me. 
All right, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noark. We're going to come back with one more segment, quick mailbag, so stick around. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Leave a rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be right back. Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow the Inside Black and Gold podcast on Twitter. Now we made that account yesterday, so it is still a baby, but it is IBNG pod on Twitter. So go check it out. Uh, if you want to just go to my Twitter, you can go through the timeline and find it pretty easily. Either way, we're going to start pushing a lot of content to that Twitter account. So if you want to keep up with the pod, that'd be probably the best way to do it. I don't like flooding my personal account with with these look at me messages of because I find it weird, but if that's where we're going to be putting a lot of that. So, anyway, go check it out. We're going to get into a mailbag this segment. We got a lot of questions in there, but let's start out with Tedra Covington. Thanks for watching as always. He mentioned that Carl let it slip that he threw to Mike yesterday. I don't know if let it slip is <laughs> is necessarily the the term. There's nothing preventing uh, these guys from working out together uh, when the team's not in session, it happens all the time. It's actually something that I think has to happen because you are so limited in terms of what you're allowed to do as a full team, right? Like the Patriots, for example, had two OTAs docked from them. There's nothing stopping the wide receivers and the quarterback from getting together on those days and, and working out. You're just not allowed to have a full team practice at your facility, right? There are limits to protect the players, whatever. But yes, Derek Carr did mention that the first time he threw to Mike Thomas was yesterday. So they must have met up at some point. I don't know. Either way, yeah, they're kind of making that connection. But that's the first time. This is the first time that Derek Carr has thrown a pass to Mike Thomas. So even... You know, as that connection grows, it's still new. There's still a lot to learn for these guys, and you got to get it done by week one. Derek Carr was asked today if he expects to play in the preseason. He said, you know, he probably hasn't played more than, you know, two series in any preseason of his NFL career. Uh, when he was with Gruden in, in Vegas and Oakland, you know, he barely played in the preseason. He doesn't anticipate playing a ton in the preseason this year. I would actually be surprised to see him play a ton in the preseason. But what he mentioned is, you actually get more value out of the joint practices in terms of the defenses are actually trying stuff. They're actually working on things in those practices and you can actually go against real defense as opposed to a preseason game, which is just watered down a lot of players who probably won't make the roster. Um, you're not going against, you're not seeing Marshawn Lattimore go against Mike Williams, right? But that is what you're going to see theoretically when the Saints have joint practices with the Chargers. So I know this is a far cry from what Ted was talking about, but I think that's where you're going to want to see these two guys really connect is at those joint practices because that's probably the only time you're going to see them on the field together in real NFL work. So that's going to be something to watch. Young Scoot, 26. We are getting a ring this year. I am very confident in our team. It's amazing how, how quickly the sentiment can change around a team this time, you know, a couple months ago, it was fire Dennis Allen, fire the coaches, fire everybody, you know, get, get a new quarterback. <laughs> and now, you know, you hear people saying 14 wins is reasonable. 
I'm not one of those people, but you hear it, right? And part of it through the schedule, part of it is due to the excitement around Derek Carr, part of it is due to Mike Thomas coming back, and part of it is due to the NFC South being as weak as I can ever remember it. And yeah, I don't know about a ring. <laughs> I don't know if this is a Super Bowl team. Maybe during the season they show themselves to be one. Right now I need to find out if this is an NFC South champion type team. And if that's what you're talking about in terms of a ring, in terms of hanging a banner, I think they can do that. This team can and should do that. And when you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. right? I don't think there is a dominant team in the NFL right now. You know, the closest thing to it would be the Chiefs, obviously, with Pat Mahomes. But, you know, that's not a question you have to answer if you're the Saints until you get to the Super Bowl anyway. So is there a dominant team in the NFC? The Eagles, the 49ers, these are beatable teams. So in theory, sure, I'll let, I'll let you hold on to that one. Daryl says, MT looks huge, and he and Derek look good standing near each other. You know, it's Mike's physique is interesting because I don't know how much – work he's been able to do. And I don't know what type of shape he's actually in relative to what he wants to be when he steps on the field week one. He is, like I've said, he's a maniacal worker. I don't think he's out of shape, but it will be interesting to see how how he kind of works to get in shape now that he can move around and can do a bit more than he had been able to do. We've talked about, you know, Dennis said he got some hardware taken out of his foot about a month ago. So this is probably where you're starting to see him really ramp up the fitness. So I think that's going to be something to watch. The Keeping It Real Hoodat Sports Podcast says, great to see my guy can't guard Mike. Now all of you who have been crying, why he not here? He can now move on to why isn't he practicing? <laughs> Some people are not ever satisfied. Yeah, I mean, I think the the why isn't he here thing was a little overblown. You know, I, I never thought it was a huge issue. I, I mean, I think he's making a statement by, by being there. Right. Like Marshawn Lattimore didn't show up. Ryan Ramchick didn't show up. Taysom Hill didn't show up. Like there is nothing wrong with that. He would just be another of the veterans who said, I'll see you at minicamp. Right. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever, but he went out of his way to make sure he was here for this. He went out of his way to make sure he was on the field when the cameras were allowed to be out. So there's evidence of him being there. And I do think that's kind of where you will kind of figure that out. But yeah, I, I think when you're talking about Mike, when you're talking about kind of the optimism around this team, it all exists when he's healthy and when you're in the preseason. If you get to week four and he's not there, all of a sudden everything is back to square one just like it was last year. Tedrick Covington says, practice squad coming for Perry. We also had another comment about A.T. Perry, which was... Ryan Cavett says A.T. Perry's story sounds similar to Colston, not comparing him to the greatness that was Colston, but maybe he can learn the same lesson and become a beast. If you didn't know, Colston was a disaster at first. And no, yeah, I think this is a fair parallel to draw between A.T. Perry and Marcus Colston. They, I would say they have similar play styles, they have similar body types. It's I wouldn't compare the players, but I would I what what A.T. Perry needs to be able to do is similar to what Colston got really good at doing throughout the course of his career. And yes, you were correct. Marcus Colston was not out there blowing people away on day one of rookie minicamp of OTAs of whatever they called it back then. It was a long time ago. I don't know how it was structured, but he got better. And I'm AT Perry will get better, right? I'm just pointing out that like he needs to get better. You talk about the practice squad with AT Perry. And I think that's a realistic possibility. It's not the end of the world, right? Like going on the practice squad, as a young player, a sixth round pick, and then 
getting better and getting called up. Rashid Shahid was on the practice squad last year to start the season, right? It's not the end of the world. It's only a problem if a guy is good enough to make the roster. You try to stash him on the practice squad and you fail because someone identifies that and steals him. I don't think that's going to happen with A.T. Perry because if a team was really high on him in the draft, they could have had him. But either way, he's going to be a guy to watch. You know, and nothing I say as far as a roster projection right now means honestly jack shit, just to be clear. Like, does not mean anything. But right now, he is not at the level that I would see him making this roster. Again, I expect that to change. There's <laughs> Jeffrey Brown, Jeffrey Brown, talking about Mike Thomas as he's back until he stubs his toe. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to argue with the, with the take that he can't make it through a season right now, right? Like he, for a long time, you would say Mike Thomas is as durable as it comes in the NFL. The last few seasons, he has been anything but. And so when people say, yeah, you know, if he gets a hangnail, he's going to miss a game. I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it. Now, I will say his injuries have been very real. He's not just missing games with minor things. But, yeah, you do have to start asking that question. Daryl says, Mike even looks happier. Last year, this time, he seemed like he wasn't happy. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think he looked he looked plenty happy. I think it's for him, he's always kind of this very subdued, very quiet, soft-spoken guy. It's hard to get a good read on him. I think he just loves playing football. He talks about how this was kind of like the first day of, of summer camp, first day of school, whatever you want to call it, and not being able to contribute, not being able to play. It grates on him the same way it would grate on me if I was unable to do something that I know I'm very good at. Okay, we can get into all the Traquan hate uh, here, and that can be one of the last things we get into. Keeping it real, who that sports podcast is a Traquan Smith fan. He says, Traquan Smith, my boy, go do it again. He go, he go upset y'all again when he makes a team. Tedra says, someone go kidnap Traquan until the 53-man roster is announced. And Jerry G, apparently not a Traquan guy, says, all you Traquan lovers will have a box of Kleenex in your hand when he is gone from this team. I don't I don't know what Traquan has done to to make y'all so mad. <laughs> I think he's been a a good contributor on this roster and he has underwhelmed as a pass catcher. Now he's a wide receiver, he's supposed to not underwhelm as a pass catcher. To me it's been more of a question of health and when you see him just disappear for weeks and weeks because he's dealing with an injury, that's frustrating. He does do a lot of things that other guys aren't good at and don't want to do. So for that reason alone, you know, I kind of treat him as like a Taysom Hill type guy of, you know, he's selfless in that in that respect. <laughs> you might say you want to do better than him, but I don't know why you would hate him just because he does a lot of stuff that uh, people <laughs> want to see. MJ asks, is Kamara suspended? He is not right now. That could very well change and probably will. We'll see. His his trial is set to begin on July 31st. I would still be surprised if we ever get to that point. It would be crazy to me if he just doesn't settle out of court or find a way to do that, but we'll find out. Either way, you're not going to see a suspension handed down from the NFL until that's wrapped up because if they were ever going to do it early, it had been done by now. <laughs> They've let it play out, and they will continue to let it play out. So. You know, I, I think the best thing for the Saints, honestly, would be to get this wrapped up 
prior to the season. So if he does get suspended, it can be the first six weeks when you're not, when you know you're not dealing with kind of crazy aggregate injuries across your roster. Like that's theoretically when you are going to be at your healthiest is weeks one through six as compared to weeks eight through 14, right? And I would prefer to see them have Alvin later in the year rather than just lose him for a six-game stretch midseason. So to me, that's the ideal scenario is you just plan to be without him weeks one through six and get it done with Jamal Williams, Kendry Miller. But for now, we don't know. Tedrick Covington says Traquan missed open catches at critical moments. Yeah, he's also made big catches at critical moments. So, you know, it goes both ways. I think a lot of guys dropped catches at critical moments last year, and it was not just Traquan. Chris Olave was a culprit. Taysom Hill was a culprit. You know, basically anyone but Rashid Jaheed dropped a big pass last year, right? So I, I'm not going to hold that against him. He also had big catches. He caught two touchdowns in, a, in the divisional round of the playoffs in 2020. How many guys can say that, right? He caught multiple touchdown passes in a week four game in Detroit that the Saints desperately needed to win. So, I mean, he's had good moments with the bad. He had a 10-catch game, right? Has he underwhelmed as a third-round pick? Yes. Is he going to be keeping it around? Probably not in terms of, like, you're not going to keep him on the roster and say you're wide receiver free. But if he's still doing the things that you need to do, Austin Carr made this roster for so long, guys. Austin Carr. And no one ever said, oh, he's, he's the guy. Right. So I think we're, we're going to find out. But Daryl asks, what are my thoughts on DeMarco Jackson? I like DeMarco Jackson. There's no I in his name, to be clear. But he's been working at the mic. That's what DA said today. And I think that makes sense. I don't think he is a, a Will linebacker. I think he is the DeMario Davis mold type Mike linebacker. And I think you're probably prepping him, kind of ramping him up to be the backup to DeMario Davis. Now, that does leave you with the question of if a guy like Pete Warner goes down, who takes over there? And I don't know. Nick Anderson kind of got picked on today in, in the red zone drills. He kept getting targeted, and he did not make a play. And I think that's just a product of being a little undersized. You don't have the long arms that you might want uh, in coverage, and, and he did get, did get a little exposed today. So I don't know if it's going to be him. I don't know if it's going to be a Nephi Sewell. But you do definitely need to identify a backup will. I think Zach Bond is the Sam, and you're going to go from there. But that's a good question. And I do really like DeMarco Jackson. I think the Saints also really like DeMarco Jackson, and that's why you did not draft a linebacker or or really bring in a linebacker in free agency. Louise Lockett says, Hayner will see action in the preseason. And yes, very much so. I thought Jake looked good today. I thought... You know, if not for an A.T. Perry drop, we'd be talking about a Jake Hayner dime to the back corner of the end zone over, I believe, Isaac Yadam, who did not make a play on the ball. It was a drop. It was a drop. And, and the annoying thing is A.T. Perry went up and got it. He was in position. He just needs to catch it either way. Jake Hayner looked good today. He he threw two of those touchdowns at Traquan Smith. And so, yeah, I like, I like Jake. I think you're going to see a lot of Jake. I think he's going to be on the roster. I don't think you're going to sash him on the practice squad because I think he'd get claimed. All right, let's do one more. And we'll get out of here, which is Demetrius James saying, I think 11 wins is quite a bit more feasible. Yeah, I have him at 10. You know, if things go right, if you avoid key injuries, yeah, you can get to 11. Maybe you can get to 12. But I think 10 is probably the safe number in terms of, you know, get to 10 and then worry about 11 when you get to 10. 
<laughs> right? Your first goal has to be a 10, a 10 win season. Cause to me, in order to make the playoffs, not back into the playoffs, not find your way into the playoffs in order to win your way into the playoffs, you have to win 10 games. You can get in with nine wins. Heck, you can get in with eight wins, just like the Bucks did last year. But you're depending on a lot of other teams cooperating. If you want to make sure you get into the playoffs, get to 10 wins. And I think there are 10 wins on the schedule for the Saints team. You know, maybe they overperform and, and, and you end up talking about them in, in conversation for that one seed at some point in the season. I doubt it. I think you're going to hit a skid at some point. Um, but either way, I you you watch this team move around, you watch the skill players, you watch the depth, you know the defense is going to be solid. You have great depth at cornerback, you have veteran leadership and depth at safety. The defensive line is a real question. Although, if you have a healthy Peyton Turner who's contributing, I think you feel a lot better about it. Isaiah Foskey is going to be an interesting guy to watch. Still hasn't signed his contract. Hopefully that happens over the next few weeks. I don't think you're going to want to go into that kind of month off without getting that contract signed, but we'll see. I think this is around the time Alante Taylor signed his last year. <laughs> Louise Lockett says, I am a Debbie Downer. Yeah, we'll find out. But all right, this has been Inside Black and Gold. Thanks for everyone who watched. Thanks for everyone who is subscribed. If you have not subscribed yet, please go do that wherever you get your podcast. We're going to be coming at you later in the week. Steve Geller and I are going to break down a lot more of the sound that we got in the locker room. We're going to talk more from Derek Carr. He had some interesting things to, date to say about you know how, it, how he expects the offense to work, how he's kind of tweaking things with Mike Thomas, with some of the other guys. And I know we talked to Marcus May, new tight end Jesse James. So we'll get to a lot of that on the, I think it'll post Thursday morning. So keep an eye out for that. And make sure to subscribe to our new Twitter account. It's IBNG pod over on Twitter. You could also just go to my Twitter feed and you can find it in there. But all right, y'all. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone for dropping in a comment. It's been a lot of fun. Be easy, y'all. Peace.